0: Strange things are afoot at the circle, kid. That kid is back on the escalator again! Don't hurt.
1: Is my boomstick! (laughs) Game over, man! Game over! Welcome to The Bargain Bin. He is your host, Ben Mason.
0: And he is your co-host, Sandra Luketic. And today we're talking 1985's The Black Cauldron. We assume if you're listening to this episode... You've already seen the movie, and we're sorry.
1: Basically, the end of the episode there? No, but this is where you ask me. <sighs> Sandra, have you seen this movie before? No, I actually haven't. And uh, I have an interesting story about that, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you for asking, by the way. Uh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> it was very honest, it is. an honest inquiry. <laughs> It sounded like you really wanted to ask me. I don't know why you're changing the uh, script all of a sudden. I don't Uh, know, man. You definitely definitely didn't need a prompt. I I can't wait. I can't wait to hear your story. So when I was a kid and I started into the world of video games, which uh, for those who know, I run a video game website outside of this podcast. I do a weekly podcast about video games. It's a very big part of my life. But back when I first came to Canada and I was four or five years old, I didn't have a video game system. I would go to my cousin's house to play on their computer where they had some games that they could play on there. One of them was an old Sierra point-and-click adventure game. You know, the ones like Take Flask, Use Ladder, like that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And it was actually the Black Cauldron. But as a kid, I didn't know that the Disney movie existed. I thought I was just playing some like generic fantasy game that happened to be called... The Black Cauldron. And that was my entire relationship with The Black Cauldron movie for like the next 20 years until I realized this is an actual movie. And then this week, I finally watched the movie for the first time. So that's kind of crazy that, you know, I really had this bold memory of this video game, but had no idea that it was based on a movie that I hadn't seen. It's
0: a fun bit of nostalgia too did did you remember everything from the game as you were watching the movie
1: not when i was watching the movie but because like you know one thing after another kind of dominoes and spiders and stuff like yeah. that you're
0: like oh yeah i yeah.
1: ended up what <laughs> calm down <laughs> i ended up going to youtube actually and looking up the gameplay of the old game uh to remind myself of that experience um, you know, because you just you start pulling on that thread and and you want to kind of dive a little deeper. Uh, so that really brought me a lot of nostalgia back was pulling up that, you know, footage of the old gameplay and kind of reliving that childhood uh, memory. So that was kind of cool. Hold on. So you do have some attachment to it, at least. Um, it Did you notice how it it strangely
0: looked like it was done in the 50s or 60s and not the 80s?
1: No, honestly, I didn't feel um, with the animation any particular era. I thought it was animated quite nicely, but I didn't. Oh, it looks fantastic. Oh. But it also looks
0: exactly like the uh, animation from, say, uh, Robin Hood or The Jungle Book with the addition of CG, which is, I believe this is the first, the first movie that went into production by Disney that used CG in their animated films, but the
1: second released after The Great Mouse Detective. Oh, that's crazy. Um, I didn't really get a particular, but I feel like when you look back at old Disney movies, they kind of stick to a very similar art style and feel for yeah. a long period of time, like a few decades there where a lot of the older movies that were 50s, 60s, 70s kind of all feel the same because they found like a tried and true uh, style and stuck with it.
0: So... yeah. And they- they do train their, their animation teams to to draw in the same style, too, of course. So that does make sense. Yeah, so that but was... Like, where- I, I had a problem trying to, like, keep the Black Cauldron and Sword in the Stone separate. Because I find there's so many similarities between the two.
1: Uh, I don't think I've seen the Sword in the Stone.
0: Oh, oh, fuck, man. That's a really fun one. If
1: you've got some free time you want to watch another Disney movie, throw it on. It's good. If I have free time. I mean, the free time I have, I watch whatever movie you make me watch. Uh, So so I'm I'm not putting money on that. You're going to have to wait a while on that one, then. (laughs) You you mean we're not doing back-to-back animated movies? (laughs) Oh, no. No, I've got something much worse planned for you. Oh, delightful. Uh, Well, why don't we dive into this one, then? Uh, Yeah, sure. I do want to dive into the history a little bit more, uh, but after the plot. Because I I want to pick your brain about this whole idea that Disney was kind of trying to disown the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. But we'll we'll get into that. Why don't we start with the plot, which I feel, if it's anything like the actual runtime of the movie, kind of breezed by. Oh, I'm going to fly through this motherfucker. Okay.
0: (laughs) okay, (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it up. All right. A voiceover gives us the backstory for the film. Uh, There was once a king of Perdane who was so cruel that he even terrified the gods. He was thrown into molten iron, hopefully forever trapped into what was shaped into the Great Black Cauldron. The cauldron was then hidden away and had been sought for centuries by men who wanted to wield its power and its ability of commanding armies of the dead to conquer the world. A lot of backstory leads us right into the title card. At this point, I'm super stoked because I don't remember seeing this at all. At this point, I have never seen the movie. I've only heard of it and I've seen a few stills online. Oh, You've never even seen this movie before. No. No, I hadn't. Or oh. so I thought. Oh. Okay. But we'll get to that, and I'm pretty sure I know why I don't remember seeing this.
1: Okay. All right.
0: <laughs> In a little country cottage on a farm, Dalbin ruminates to his cat about the actions of the Horned King. He calls for Taran, his aide, to tend to the kettle. Taran talks of his dreams of being a warrior, and Dalbin shuts him down, telling him he isn't warrior material, but it's time to do his chores.
1: I found this scene. I found this scene kind of funny because Dalvin uh, says something along the lines that it's not time for breakfast; it's time for thinking, or something like that. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then gets mad at Taryn for dreaming. He's like, "No more dreaming!" And Taryn's like, "Oh, I was just thinking." He's like, "Go do your chores." It's like, well, that's kind of contradictory to what you just said. Yeah, honestly, I I missed
0: a bit of the. The uh, dialogue here, because every time I look at Dalbin, he just looks like a Disney version of a Game of Thrones character. Okay, I like I see him, and I immediately think he'll turn somewhere down the road.
1: <laughs> I um I watched it uh, with the subtitles on. Why? I find with animated movies when it's a little bit tougher to um like read lips. There's often subtleties that I'll miss. Okay. Right, because if the if the actual audio doesn't sync up with the uh, lip syncing that's animated into it, it, it might be subtle, but I'll lose a couple of things. So I like to watch like older animated movies with subtitles so that I I can not miss anything.
0: Okay, but it Fair also enough. makes
1: something like that contradiction that just just <laughs> took place stand out a little <laughs> bit more. I, like, I do have to say too,
0: like uh, some of these names. I will definitely mispronounce, and I apologize in advance.
1: What what kind of names did they have in the mid-'80s? Well, this is based off of a a series of books from the 60s. Even still, like, the Bard's name is Fluter, spelled F-F-L-E-W-D-D-U-R. Did some parent wake up one morning and say, I'm going to ruin my child's life the day they're born? Uh, sure. I don't know. I don't know the the
0: common names for minstrels, so. There's that Seinfeld joke that's like, basically, if a parent ever names their kid Jeeves, they've got their future all planned out for them.
1: Yeah. Well, what future do you plan out when you name your daughter Eolon... Eolonwin? Okay, well, even you got that name wrong, so I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> exactly! I can't even say it! I don't... <laughs> like, Why couldn't it just be Princess Jessica? (laughs) I can say Jessica. Oh, yes,
0: the classic medieval Jessica.
1: Fine! Guinevere! Something!
0: I... Oh, that would have been good. Keep it to, like, an Arthurian legend.
1: Yeah, just completely... Yeah, just completely rip it off. But you know what I mean. There's names that they could have used that were not this obscure. Honestly, I was rereading the notes that I had written, and I'm coming across
0: these names, making sure I've, like, typed everything out properly, and, like... Word is having a fucking meltdown. It's like, are you sure? Highlight this word, highlight this word. I'm like, yes, ignore all. What about this one? Apostrophe i yes. I'm like, no, that's what I meant to type. Like the easiest the
1: easiest name is Terran. Yeah. And even that's not super common. No. <laughs> so all right, anyway. <laughs> uh Taren has to go tend to his chores. Yes. Albin worries about Terran's naivety
0: while the boy tends to the future telling pig henwen all the while fantasizing about his future as a fearless adventurer. He play fights a goat, pretending it to be the horned king, and loses.
1: The geese laugh at his failure. (laughs) That goat got him good. That is why, in like, the Royal Rumble, you never turn your back on the opponent that you think you've eliminated. Because the exact thing is going to happen. He's going to come up behind you and throw you out.
0: Who the fuck thinks it's a great idea to attack a goat with a stick?
1: Uh, well,
0: like,
1: he, he, of all farm animals he, The one with spikes on its head Oh, okay they okay. are known to be aggressors Technically, another farm animal is a bull And I think I would do that less than a goat But I'm still not messing with a goat
0: Yeah, yeah don't fuck with anything with head knives
1: Well, he got overly cock- uh, like cocky He scared away a pig and a bunch of uh, geese So, you know, he's riding a high
0: yeah, Okay and it's fine. Like as soon as the goat kicked his ass, I was like, I mean, "You fucking deserve that." But seeing the geese laugh, I fucking hate geese. Seeing those geese laugh, I was like, "Just pull yourself back up and give it to them."
1: <laughs> got the
0: stick; still, just fucking crack them.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. This was the first time I laughed watching the movie. Was watching him go ass over tea kettle and land in the mud. Oh, you laughed during this movie? Multiple times. Yeah.
0: Okay. Dalbin calls him out on playing instead of working, and he says he was just cleaning the pig. He scrubs the pig, and it has a terrifying vision, squealing and trying to flee. Dalbin gets Terran to bring Henwen inside and forces the pig to have another vision, like a jackass. It turns out that Dalbin has been keeping Henwen's powers a secret from everyone. The pig is powerful and should not fall into the wrong hands. I had to fucking type that out, man. The pig is powerful and should not
1: fall into the wrong hands. They never explain that either. The, the pig just has powers. Why? Cause I don't know. And, I don't know. I'm I'm sure it explains it in the books. And the but pig this
0: is. you This is a five book series, and they took parts from the first two books
1: to make this movie. Well, you so think they the f-
0: definitely left stuff out.
1: You think the first two would have explained an origin? Didn't do that. Um, well, uh, I'm, I'm sidetracking you for one
0: second, but the the books were written by, I believe, Lloyd Alexander in the 60s. I could be wrong with the time. Um, But it was his attempt to create a fantasy series for children that wasn't so dry and in-depth like Tolkien had written before, and nothing as fluffy and lighthearted as other books that were coming out in the 60s. So he wanted to kind of like mix the intensity of one with the fun of another, and this five-book series is what we got. And I'm honestly... Having seen this movie, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read all five of these books just to see what the actual story was supposed to be. Because there is something in here that they just didn't put in the movie. And I'm assuming that's a good
1: story. Okay. All right. Um, This poor pig must have visions every time she gets bathed. Because they set up this ritual for her to show them the fortune or the future or whatever it is that she's showing. And they have to, you know, say the incantation and swirl the water. But she gets her first bad feeling just being in the bathtub.
0: Yeah. But again, they they do it with a bowl of water and a bucket of water. Like, anytime this this pig takes a drink, it could get seriously fucked up. Yeah!
1: Poor pig. Like, like anytime it's going to take a drink out of, like, a trough, its face is touching water, and it's going to have some sort of vision? Man, that sucks.
0: You know, like... Dolbin's getting wasted one night and just fucking with the pig. It goes to take a drink and he's like whispering the incantation behind it.
1: <laughs> but the thing is, uh, Taryn is giving her a bath when she has her first like bad feeling that, you know, elicits everything and causes yeah. uh, Dolbin to, to tell him, bring her inside, bring her inside. But Taryn wasn't using any sort of incantation. He was no, just it giving happen. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels like they don't even need the incantation. I don't know the rules of this world. I, I'm just saying, poor pig.
0: I also don't know why Taryn is the one that ta- is tasked with protecting the pig, making sure that the Horned King will never find
1: her. I mean, that would be something that you might have in the origin of the pig, which we don't get at any point. Yeah, but the thing is, like, terran has been daydreaming about
0: being an adventurer and a warrior and Dobbin's like, don't be stupid (laughs) Uh, uh, here, here take this crazy, powerful prophetic pig and make sure that the evil horned King doesn't get it. I trust you. PS. I still don't think you're going to be a warrior or an adventurer.
1: Here's here. Well, he's right. Cause at no point, spoiler alert, even though we'll get to it at no point does Tarrant actually come off as even a halfway competent warrior at all but for somebody who just found out that this pig can see fortunes futures whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. he's very quick to accept yes let us go hide with the pig and protect it from this evil entity i didn't hear about until now very trusting
0: (laughs) yeah i don't know like strip down the things that don't make sense and basically you have this old like, philosopher who's like hey, kid who'll never amount to anything, go hide my super powerful pig
1: yes sir <laughs> Exactly. I, I have no reason to doubt this command <laughs> let the adventure
0: begin <laughs> well anyway, at his wicked as fuck castle, the horned king gives a soliloquy about finally obtaining the black cauldron and creating an army of the dead The Cauldron Born, which is a wicked name. I love it.
1: They could have put a little bit more effort into The Horned King. Yeah, well, this was
0: a recut. He wasn't supposed to be introduced until much later into the movie.
1: Recut or not, they could have given him a better name than The Horned King. I like it. I also like uh, John Hurt doing
0: the voice. Alright then. Um, we get another beautiful Disney animated scene of a uh, countryside. Taryn talks to Henwen about how impressed he is and how he won't let Dolbin down. Taryn again fantasizes about being a warrior, and while not paying attention, Henwen goes missing. I actually laughed here.
1: Because. Yeah, you, you told me you laughed at this movie. I'm still confused. When he stops to take a drink, I even said out loud, Oh, man, don't drink pond water. And then he starts seeing this visual of him being a warrior. And I'm like, see, you're hallucinating already. (laughs) 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 That's why you don't drink random pond water, man. (laughs) And then being the assistant pig keeper who is tasked with protecting her immediately loses her. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's a bumbling idiot.
1: Yeah. (laughs) He sucks so bad. Like, honestly,
0: up until this point, I'm watching it. I'm like, no wonder I watched. I didn't watch this movie. Like, there is nothing good about it. People must have told me it was terrible. And this is where we get the abomination that is Gergi. Mm-hmm. It's a, a creature that looks like a mix between a sheepdog and Sam Elliott. And it's <laughs> the voice of Gollum. Um, and my my friend looked into this, and apparently Andy Circus did use uh gurgi as a bit of an influence or inspiration for the voice of Gollum in the Lord of the Rings movies. I but mean I hate I hate this character so much it ruins everything.
1: So this seems to be a common thing in 90 1980s animated stuff cuz there's always this annoying voiced uh often like furry woodland type random creature or sidekick that is in it, right? Like, you think of, like, Snarf and the Thundercats, and... You uh, leave Snarf alone. He's amazing. (sighs) Snarf. Okay. Anyway, I'm just going to stop the point I was making there.
0: No, it's fine. I I get it. You've got, like, the side characters, like, in Thundercats, you have Snarf in uh, He-Man, you've got Orko. Not a lot of people like them, but they're there. They're kind of, like comedic relief that's not really funny
1: yeah but they always have to have like let's give them like a weird voice or um an annoying catchphrase or something like that why is this uh, like a necessity for this like era of animation i don't understand it i don't
0: know i i also don't know why we're supposed to like this character also it really kind of shows taryn to be a bit of a dick as I have written here, Gurgi steals an apple from Terran. The boy demands the apple back or he will beat the dog with a stick. The dog takes a bite of the apple and then guilt trips Taryn. You calling him a dog? It's an...
1: Yeah, he's an anthropomorphic dog. Okay. Yeah, in my mind, I'm like, it's an apple, man. You can get another apple. Apple, just give the thing an apple. You can get another apple. Apple. Just give him the apple, Taryn. <laughs> Eat the apple, Kirky. It's going to be a running theme throughout the movie. Terran (laughs) sucks.
0: He's terrible. terran
1: Remember? Oh, no. (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) I just said it last week when we watched Idle Hands. Give me a movie where the hero is supposed to be likable right from the start. Apparently, we went the complete opposite and picked a hero who is not only not likable from the start but is never likable.
0: Well, Taryn? yeah, I was pulling for him, man. He's an underdog, oh, but man. at the same time it's like you know when you're like you root for the guy that you know is gonna lose anyway, but you feel bad if you don't? Yes, yeah, Tim.
1: I was rooting against him and lot of the parts of the movie. You know, you're like <laughs> just cheering the king. Anyway, well, he,
0: he questions Gurgi about the whereabouts of the pig. Gergi describes it perfectly and then denies any knowledge of it. Wait, the dog changes its mind and tells the truth? It has seen Henwen. The pig has actually been abducted by creatures loyal to the Horned King. How stupid is this fortune-telling pig? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't see this happening.
1: I mean, I... It sees everything! It sees everything. I, it sees everything. And then decides, even if Terran is in the middle of his, like, fever dream from drinking out of the pond, is like, I'm just going to walk off. You should know that's a bad idea. Yeah. No, you've got this, like,
0: walking, talking, now bacterial infection of a human wandering around trying to protect a prophetic pig who can see the future, yet still gets abducted by these monsters Honestly, at this point, I really wish that Gertie was just like some fever dream hallucination that he had. I wouldn't have been
1: surprised if the entire movie came back to this scene and everything that happens from this point on is a hallucination from drinking out of the pond. And it's just Taryn <laughs> killing everybody.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I do have to say, though, after this, we do get a lot of great visuals. Um, a wicked mix of foreground animation and background CG. Um, as much as I will rip on this movie, it looks beautiful. Oh, yeah.
1: It's Fantastic. absolutely
0: stunning. Even some of, like, the janky animation just creates a, a feeling of nostalgia that we touched on before. Um, Gergi tells Taryn that he should just forget about Henwin. Taryn says he promised Dalbin to keep the pig safe. Gergi basically says, good luck, and bails. Again, this is the comedic sidekick now. Mm-hmm. Taren scales the side of the castle and climbs in through a hole in the wall. He tries to sneak past a sleeping guard, but walks right into its dog. Luckily, Taren gets away, and in the great hall, the guards are drunk, dining, and infatuated with a dancer. This is a children's film. It is not a children's film. It is not a children's film.
1: Based like, off of a series of books meant for children. We, I think we already missed a part, or not a part, it's maybe not that big of a, a point, but when Taryn was still trying to chase down uh henwen who is being like abducted he yeah. falls and i see blood on the side of his oh, mouth yeah. and even yeah. then like it stood out so much to me cuz wait a minute this is a disney movie i'm not supposed to see like a, an adolescent hero bleeding and the very next time they show his face after he, he's scaled the mountain it's gone right but even that quick shot didn't feel very disney like to me. Well,
0: um yeah, there's reasoning for that too. Like there there are multiple videos on youtube if you check check them out that uh, they go pretty in depth as to what was cut out of this movie. And like that scene of Taron falling while he's trying to rescue Henwen and him looking up where he's got blood on his face. He's been knocked out from the fall for a while and he he wakes up and he's looking around completely confused. The way it's edited here after the recuts is that
1: he falls and looks up and he's bleeding? Yeah, it like um, happens immediately. Like it feels yeah. like he just, you know, like when you you fall and then your, your momentum just picks you right back up.
0: Yeah, there, there are also cuts with him climbing the castle outside. You look at one shot and the castle's animated one way, and then it it cuts to I think like twisted vines with thorns, and, and then it cuts back and it's still him on the outside of the castle, but the castle's drawn completely differently. Um, there's a massive chunk of scenes that have been removed from here uh, huh. it, it, the whole movie is a hack job and I really want to see what the original cut was oh um this is where we're introduced to the to creeper a tiny goblin that's basically the horned Kings version of gurgi what do you think of creeper
1: uh, he's definitely better than Gurgi. everything is better than Gurgi. oh okay I didn't mind uh, creeper I mean, he, I, he was, he was, a, what's the word? He might have been a more effective sidekick in his role. Because he's almost like the sidekick to the villain that you feel uh, like sympathetic for. Because he maybe doesn't necessarily want to be there. But he's there because of fear for his life type thing. I and, see this and I see the inspiration for Jafar and Iago. Okay. All right but i mean iago is definitely jafar's um like sidekick henchman where yeah. creeper is reluctant to work for the horned king which we never really
0: get any explanation to like is there no way he could survive on his own or is he just like the horned king's pet cuz he's he's also pretty annoying
1: i mean he gets abused by the horned king uh everybody does Exactly, but maybe he just thinks that he can't. Like there's nowhere I can run and hide to get away from him. So I'm wondering how much of it is an actual character from the books and how much
0: was Disney being like we need something to make the villain look less terrifying.
1: Okay. For children. I don't know. Well, I mean, um, the the biggest avenue for uh him for purpose is to give him screen time over the horned king so that he can have actions that the horned king might have had to do himself portrayed through the creeper which means that creeper is getting more screen time rather than the nightmare fuel that is the horned king
0: yeah uh, that makes perfect sense too that's probably exactly what it was cool yeah. alright well uh, the horned king appears and now looks like a darker version of no heart from the care bears uh, creeper calls for henwen who is brought in shackled in chains creeper tries to get the pig to demonstrate its powers but no luck the goblin is embarrassed. It threatens Henwin with a burning coal, and Terran tries to save the pig, failing and revealing himself to everyone.
1: All right, a couple of things. Yeah. When it's a pig, <clears throat> and you already have a chain around its neck, having chains across its front hooves is a little redundant. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it did kind of make me chuckle, because I looked at it and I'm I like... I didn't even think about it. <laughs> I'm like, that's not necessary. <laughs> Uh,
0: two... Also, those would be tiny fucking shackles.
1: Yeah. It's a good thing they had them available in her size. Um, and I love that it's, it's meant to be a female pig, and we know that because it has very distinct eyelashes. Uh, great animation trick right there. Yep. The second thing is, Taryn fails again, <laughs> which is another notch on my Terran sucks chart. Yeah, he's pretty embarrassing. Because it's not like even, oh, he tries to sneak and maybe he steps on a branch or something. You know, one of those, like, subtle mishaps? No, he just falls face first down. And, I mean, like, you already got beaten up by a, by a goat. You lost the pig immediately. And now you fall yeah. multiple stories after doing Nothing.
0: And they try and play him off as, like, you're supposed to believe he's a brave character going on the adventure. All he's done so far is ruin everything. Yep. And embarrass himself every time.
1: There's a good chance that if um, uh, um, Dolben, because these names are so stupid, I'm going to forget them sometimes. There's a good chance that if Dolben didn't send him away with Terran, the pig would still be all right. Honestly, I'm
0: thinking Henwin, as soon as she hears Dalbin tell Terran to like protect the pig, she's like,
1: fuck, really? <laughs> this, him? Guy, this guy can't even cook breakfast right. <laughs> Can, can't I have the goat? The goat kicked his ass? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, imagine that. She just watched the goat beat him up. And it's like, you, you're going to pick the guy who just got beat by the goat. This is supposed to instill yeah. confidence in me? Oh, here we go.
0: <laughs> the fucking geese laughing at him did more damage to his psyche than he's done to anything other than his body from falling all over the place. Oh, good job, Taren. he been you... defeated multiple times by farm animals. <laughs> he sucks so bad. <laughs> I will go back to Tarenble. I think that's going to be his new name. Anyway. No, no, sorry. Okay. Fine, you think it's something better. The horned king tells the pig keeper to get the swine to reveal the location of the cauldron. Terran denies, and the king threatens to cut the pig's head off, because that benefits everybody.
1: See, that's one, Taran- of those, that's one of those, like, call his bluff, because without the pig, you're not finding out where the cauldron is. He's Honestly, not- at, this point, at this point, Henwin's like, just fucking do it. Just, please, I'm not going to make it through this, just go for it. But I'm, I'm watching as they put the pig's head on a, a stump and get yeah. ready to wield an axe. I'm like, what am I watching here? The shortest Disney movie ever. Whew.
0: Now, Taryn submits and convinces Henwyn to show the Horned King where the cauldron can be found. Before the location is actually revealed, Taryn and the pig make a run for it.
1: All right. So as they splash the bowl... Yeah. It hits the horned king. Right in the face. And they show like a sizzle effect. Like a little smoke. Yep. So the water, I assume, is not scalding as the pig put his her face in it. It is supposed to be scalding. Really?
0: Yeah, they cut a scene here too where uh, you're supposed to see the, what actually happens to the horned king's face. And it's like seared flesh and his, like, skin's bubbling on his hands as he's trying to wipe his face.
1: But the the pig feels no ill effect from putting her face in it. Oh, I'm sure it's got more powers than being a prophet. I mean, come on. See, because in my mind, based on the version that I actually watched, didn't have anything cut in it, my first reaction is, oh, no, a villain that's weak to water? Not again. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the yep. impression I get. It's like this water doesn't seem to be hot to anybody else, but it's searing the horned king. Oh no! <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't have
0: minded that so much. Um, I, I do want to see the stuff that was cut, though. I, that was just another thing that was removed because it was too uh, too scary for for its uh, children viewers. Okie dokie. Uh, <laughs> They make it outside and barricade the door before attempting to jump from the balcony into the moat below. Henwin makes it, but Terran fails again and is caught before he can make it over the stone railing. The Horn so, King is rather unimpressed and has <clears throat> Terran
1: thrown into the dungeon. So when they're trying to escape here, Terran struggles to lift um, uh, uh, Henwin. Henwin on like over the ledge to push her into the moat. Mm-hmm. But, like, a scene earlier, he's just shown fleeing with her in her in his arms. Yeah. When did she gain all this weight that he can't lift her all of a sudden? 17 seconds ago. And in his mind, because they show a shot of the moat, which looks like it's 50 feet down, he's like, this is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, seriously. Like...
0: Other than the fact that he can now miraculously lift this incredibly heavy pig that he had no problem lifting before. His idea of keeping it safe is throwing it from a great height into a body of water. That pig, like have you ever you have belly flopped before, right? Yep. That pig's gonna fucking explode when it hits the water. And <laughs> <laughs> now I wonder the whole time, as it's falling, if it can foresee its future now.
1: I mean I would assume that it saw this when it looked at the fortune one of the multiple times it looked at it recently, but I guess not. And that, that's something too that I touch on at the very end of
0: my notes that just made me go, are you fucking serious? Well, let's let's keep going then. Right. While crying in a cell, Taryn is shocked to see a stone in the floor give way and a girl climb out along with a tiny ball of light that flies around the room. Oh God, here we go. She is princess elonwi elonwi Elanwi, Uh, and it's also a prisoner there she asked heron is he uh if he is a lord or a warrior but he tells her he is only a pig
1: keeper and not a good one at that you have not kept a pig
0: where's where is is your pig that you're keeping oh i threw it off the uh
1: i threw it into the moat it's uh it's good
0: where is it now he's like "Mm, i don't know hopefully alive somewhere can i admit something kind of silly Uh, Don't you always?
1: Usually. It's not not often that you say no to that question. (laughs) (laughs) When this girl showed up, I actually thought to myself, that's Henwen." So that pig is
0: very magical then.
1: I thought, I thought, and and, okay, it's going to sound silly, but I thought that this was like a magical princess that was almost cursed or magically like hidden as a pig to keep her away from the horned King. It's obviously not where it goes, but that was my first reaction. Cause I'm like, we just lost the pig pig clearly has magic powers. And now this random girl who is apparently held captive, but has the ability to roam freely around the castle and navigate. Doesn't to know how it's laid out. Yeah. Yeah. Just shows up out of the ground well, I don't know. I think you could kind of
0: let things slide when you're dealing with a film whose main – one of their main characters is a magic pig. Well, and,
1: but you could see why then I thought that maybe it would later be revealed that that was, right, the case. That it was yeah. somehow like it, the curse was even temporarily lifted or something. Um, yeah. But anyway, go on. Go on.
0: Now, this, this is one thing I do kind of like about Taron or his character anyway. That, like I don't like Taron, but um, – Ilanwi says that she's looking for someone to help her escape, and she says he can join her, and he does. So he's not the leader of this party now, of this duo. He is just helping her. And I think this is perfect, because she's already a stronger character, just by actions alone. The fact that she's committed to escaping, she's actively seeking a way out. She's strong enough to lift these heavy stones. He's always wanted to be a warrior and an adventurer, and obviously isn't either. But he's like, this is his way. He's like, I'm gonna help her. She is what I wanted to be, and I still get to have some of that adventure and be a hero in my own mind. You know I what
1: I? You know what I found interesting here is that she has like this magic bauble with her. I have no idea at what point in the movie, but it happens. This bauble just disappears, stops being a thing. The the glowing thing? Yeah.
0: I was curious to know what it was at first, and then I just stopped caring, and I didn't realize it
1: never answered. She just called it, like, the magic bauble or whatever, and it was something that she seemingly controlled. So, again, I'm thinking, she has magic abilities, and she's talking about magic. And then, I don't even know where, and it's probably not in your notes, because the same thing probably happened to you. I just lost sight of it, and it just wasn't there anymore. That's fine. I kind of wish that happened to the movie itself. Okay.
0: Together, they discover a burial tomb of the king who originally built a castle. Taran finds a magical sword that belonged to the king. They hide when they hear Creeper. He's having a minion drag a cart of soldiers' corpses out of the tomb, most likely starting the build of the Horned King's Cauldron Born. Super dark, and I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And now we meet another prisoner who you've already referenced. Uh, the elderly Fluterflam, minstrel of minstrels, whose harp seems to be sentient. Taran and Alonwi. Alonwi? Oh, I hate that name, man. Alonwi. Not the magic pig. Okay, not the magic pig. Alonwi, oh. help him escape. A guard fights Taran and we discover that the sword
1: he took is magic. Can, Can I actually touch back on that just a second? Um, you made the comparison to the sword in the stone. Yeah. Did you not get a very sword in the stone vibe? Like I didn't even see the sword in the stone animated movie, but I got a vibe of the sword in the stone when we saw the stone, the sword, I guess in this case, not in, but the sword on a sarcophagus stone, Yeah, seem very, uh, parallel in that regard. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: There's no way to mistake it as anything but. Okay. The guard flees in terror. Taryn continues to use the magic sword to get the three of them through more guards and out of the castle.
1: He also, in the span of that escape, drops the sword twice. Yep. And it's like, you suck, man. The sword is doing all the work. Uh, there are more cutscenes here where
0: Taryn actually fights a guard.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Huh. Well, in the version that I watched, which is the version we all got, um, he seemingly does nothing, and the sword does all the work. Does everything.
0: Yep. Creeper rehearses his apology on the way to inform Horn King of what has occurred. The actual apology does not go well.
1: (laughs) I laughed when he was climbing up the stairs, (laughs) and he's like, if he doesn't accept my apology, I'll set him straight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he gets in there and the horned king is angry and it's like, all right, man, go ahead, set him straight. <laughs> Instead, he just chokes himself and leaves the <laughs> room. <laughs> and the best part is, the best part is he chokes himself, I guess prematurely, and the horned king is like, good, he'll lead us to the pig. It's like, you might not have gotten choked, but I guess, yeah, I guess he didn't. did it. <laughs> Jump the gun on that one.
0: Uh, in the forest, Alonwi is sewing Fluter's pants. Taryn is shining his sword, and the minstrel is doing what minstrels do. Taryn is impressed with how he handled himself in the castle and refuses to acknowledge that if it weren't for Alonwi, he would still be in the dungeon. The two argue and part ways.
1: There, there's a line here where he, where he says to her, You're just a girl. What do you know about a sword or holding or keeping a sword or something like that, right? I forget the exact words. And the only thing in my mind was I bet she knows not to drop it multiple times. (laughs) (laughs) He could have easily gotten out of that castle with no sword in hand. He just kept losing it. He sucks, man. He sucks so bad. He at this point, so at this point, it's like, what do you know about swords? From this point on, the movie should just be her taking the sword from him and doing it herself.
0: Yeah, I, when was that shift in power? Because like I said, when they first met each other, she invited him to help her, not her following
1: him. The shift so. in power, I feel, is the sword. And the problem with that is that... He doesn't do with the sword the sword but, does everything well there's a seri- there's a scene later on where the sword literally does it itself yeah so yeah the shift of power is not to Terran, it's to the sword <laughs> you imagine some
0: other like wanderer passes this this party and I'm like what are you guys doing uh we're trying to track down the black cauldron and destroy it to end all evil. Like, cool, who's leading this quest? And it was like sword.
1: <laughs> well I mean the very just a ne- sword leaning against a rock. The very next thing would be that person scanning over the minstrel, Taryn, the princess who <laughs> it just it, robs them. Is not a princess in my mind. I think that's a lie. I don't know. And is like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. The sword is the leader. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's see, where am I next? Ah, yes. Taryn eventually searches out Alonwi and thanks her for getting out of the castle. She says that they need to work together and that they couldn't have done it without him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they could have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they could have. If anybody else picked up that sword on their team, they could have done it.
0: Fluter is screaming bloody murder, and the two run to save him, only to find that he's being jumped all over by a playful Gurgi. Aren't you glad he's back? Uh, Ecstatic. He tells Taryn that he saw Henwin's tracks earlier that day, and the four set out to find the pig. I hate Gurgi. I hate him so much. I'm getting Uh, it. While following the tracks, they all get pulled into a whirlpool in the lake and discover the Fair Folk. An underground civilization of fairies who are protecting Hanwha. They're colorful, they fly around, and don't really do much other than that. Dolly, a surly old fairy, is definitely a fun and cranky character, adding slightly more mature humor to the film. Uh, Found the character pretty fun. I like the design. Very, very Disney, so maybe that might be why.
1: It was fine, but the entire scenes with the fairies here seemed pointless. Oh, it's because they were. Yeah. 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 Uh, Terran's
0: new plans to is to destroy the cauldron so nobody can use its power. The fair king tells Doli to accompany the party on their quest while the other fair folk take Henwin back to Dalvin. They enter the marshes of Morva, inhabited by three witches. They accidentally release an army of frogs, only to find out that they were once people who the witches transformed into amphibians. The witches are furious, but one falls hard for Fluter. It must be the
1: eyebrows. So I found this part really weird. Because uh, uh-huh. one of the witches, who knows which one and which name it is, I don't know. Like grabs Terran's arm as like, oh, so uh, tender. Like they're, you know, eyeing up their dinner. Yep. And then proceeds to turn them into frogs, which is a lot less meat and has no bearing on how tender they are as humans. Which is very
0: interesting, too, because there was an encounter with a witch in the sword and the stone where Arthur gets turned into a mouse. But but you get what I'm saying. If their purpose is to eat these people... Yes, your your problem is logic. Mine is uh,
1: self-plagiarism. Well, it just, it just seems like they're going to be hungry faster. Keep them as humans and you won't go hungry as quickly. Like, let's think about this, witches. I mean,
0: I guess it might be a problem for some people.
1: All right, fine, yeah.
0: <laughs> Another witch turns the minstrel into a frog and tries to eat him. But the love-struck witch turns him back into a geriatric musician we've grown to love.
1: <laughs> we have?
0: <laughs> it's hard It's hard not to like fluter. I guess. Uh, in comparison to everyone else. Sure. Terran trades his magic sword for the Black Cauldron. Ordu, the main witch... Tells Terran the only way that the cauldron can be destroyed is if somebody sacrifices their life by crawling into it. They all have a come-to-God moment. Fluter and Gurgi look on as it seems Taryn and Elanwe are about to
1: kiss. So, in my mind here, giving away the sword has now given away any reason for Terran to be involved in anything that's going on. It's like, well, you just lost your entire purpose which just providing us this sword.
0: Yeah, there's another thing, too, that happens in this scene that really confused me, and I had to do a bit more research, and it is because
1: of more cut scenes. Okay, well, you know what? Let's leave people on a quick cliffhanger and hear an ad from our friend Tim. Knights and Nerds is not just an actual play D&D podcast with an original campaign being played by a group of friends who tolerate each other. It's also a podcast where I, the Dungeon Master, Talk about how I'm adapting to the choices the players make, as well as revealing to you, the audience, the complex story and deadly twists that I have in store for my players. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or at knightsofnerds.com. All right, we're back from the ad, and now we can finally let the suspense go and find out what confused Ben. Ordu tells... Taryn, that
0: there's only one way to destroy the cauldron. She has no idea that that's his plan for it. If someone's like, give me the cauldron, she's like, "Why? what, this cauldron? The one that allows you to control dead armies and conquer the world? Eh, probably wants that. It confused me the whole time I was watching the scene play out, and I didn't know why, and I looked into it, and apparently after they make the trade, the witches leave and then it's Terran and Gurgi and everybody trying to, like, smash the cauldron with stones and sticks, and nothing happens. So then the witches pop, and they're like, hey, by the way, the only way to destroy it is for someone to kill themselves in it and then vanish.
1: Like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, at least they're responding to seeing them, like, trying to break it. Yeah, but we don't, we don't see
0: that. They just make the trade, and then later the witches pop up. They're like, hey, if you want to break it, this is how.
1: I mean, the witches at that point show up as transparent beings in the sky. Who knows how long they've been watching them?
0: I guess. I'm saying it doesn't matter how long they've been watching them. We, as the viewers, have no idea that
1: they've been trying to smash it and can't. Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay, I thought you were saying, like, there was no way the witches could have known that was their objective to give them the the advice. But, um...
0: No, it's them popping in and saying that makes no sense to the viewer because we, the scenes of them trying to smash the cauldron have been cut and we don't see that. So their entire line of dialogue makes no sense. Oh. All right then. Yeah. Well, just then the Horn King's minions arrive and abduct the party, minus Gurgi, who has escaped, and claim the cauldron, taking everything back to the Horn King. At the castle, Creeper taunts the three. The Horn King enters and calls them all in what they are, which is pretty honest. A pig keeper, a scullery maid, and a broken-down minstrel. So this is where I was like, is she actually a
1: princess? I never questioned it. I thought it was just the Horned King being a dick. I thought it was the Horned King revealing that she's not actually a princess and was just saying she was. It could very well be that,
0: too. I mean, like I said, we are covering a a combined two of five books at this point.
1: Yeah, I guess maybe in a later book it's revealed why she's or how she's a princess or what kingdom or what. But in this, we never get that. No, we don't. I never
0: really thought about that before. I want to believe that she's a princess. Okay. It is Disney. Okay. Kind of. Okay. He then shows them the creation of his cauldron born, reanimated corpses, an army of the dead. Um, I thought this was a wicked use of CG, uh, um, sorry, mixed with animation. Oh, and dude, I think this... in, in
1: 85, this would have blown my mind. The scenes of the skeletons rising, and then especially the like longer shot of them crossing the bridge, looked fantastic. It was so awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it looked great. And it's, I might not like the movie, the story of the movie, but visually,
1: this movie is phenomenal. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I, I feel like, I mean, I don't have the proper knowledge to say this almost entirely accurately. But I feel like it might have been, like, ahead of its time in some departments. Uh, okay. In what ways, do you think? Well, like you said, I mean... Visually? Yeah. Oh, I'm strictly talking about visuals. Just visuals. Okay. Nothing else in that statement. Um, but like you said, like the mix of CGI, the way they do some of the like long shots and and chase scenes, I feel like it was a little ahead of its time. Or again, it could be a lack of experience because I'm, you know, not as much of a cinephile as you are. Uh, but it just felt to me like if somebody told me this movie was even say mid to late nineties, I probably would have believed it.
0: Yeah, uh, I see what you're saying, and I think I understand why. Um, you say ahead of its time, I think it was a direct representation of where they were in its time for visual effects. But I think by pairing it with a decades-old style of animation, mm-hmm. it made it seem like something brand new that nobody had ever seen before.
1: Okay, fair enough. I think fair that's
0: enough. why it works so well.
1: Fair enough. I mean, regardless of what the reasoning is, it definitely worked from a visual standpoint very well. It's an 80-minute movie that I will tell people to watch, if only for the
0: visuals. Cool. Um, the Furious Horned King... Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> I skipped a, a paragraph here. Uh, one thing that really caught me off guard. Um, Gurgi shows up to rescue his friends. Terran tells everyone to escape. He must destroy the cauldron. Gergi refuses to let Taron jump in the cauldron and sacrifices himself instead, stopping the army of the dead in exchange for his life. Again, reiterating the point that this is a children's film and we just watched this anthropomorphic dog kill itself.
1: um, So there's a a big inaccuracy um, here, right? When Gergi is kind of saying why he's going to do it, he says, Taryn has many friends, Gergi has none. I don't think that's very accurate there, Gergi. Taryn doesn't really have that many friends. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, what friends are you referring to? You've seen him with the same people that you've been traveling with. Yeah, the livestock that
0: you see on a daily basis. Hate you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Gergie. Good, good reasoning, buddy. Super dark, though, man. Oh, yeah. Like, again, this this whole... I'm caught up on this. This is a Disney movie where... Mm-hmm. The, like, supposed-to-be cutesy sidekick sacrifices himself to make an undead army of wicked-looking skeletons get destroyed. It's, it, like, it just doesn't feel Disney.
0: No, it doesn't at all. The furious-horned king tries to kill Taran, but the power of the cauldron pulls the king inside of it, killing him. Creeper rejoices, he's finally free. Our party of heroes escape before the castle crumbles
1: into dust. Alright, so I want to touch back then to what I was saying about Creeper, right? Does this celebration not kind of indicate what I was saying? That he's almost like a reluctant uh, sidekick who's kept there because of fear and threat of danger rather than actually wanting to be a villain sidekick?
0: But he's not kept there because he's out in, like, the... Outside world all the time, so he could just run.
1: No, just... but I I get that. If you think that you're working for this horned king, who, I mean, it doesn't really explain it. Is he an undead that's bringing other undead to life? I don't know. Kind of looks like it, right? It does look like it. So in in his mind, it might be like, okay, I can run, but there really isn't anywhere I can run and hide from this thing. I don't know. Eh, Fear can make you do a lot of weird things. But I just got the impression that he was a reluctant sidekick, you know, from the start. And the main reason that he tried so hard was not because he wanted to be evil, but because he wanted to avoid punishment, which he does reference multiple times, that he gets blamed for everything.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's entirely possible. Um, It just seems like they're trying to make an unsympathetic character sympathetic and don't follow through with it.
1: Okay. Alright. So, I I, like,
0: coming from, like, we're gonna make this film for children perspective, in, including that kind of character arc doesn't, doesn't really fly. Okay. Alright. But a lot of the stuff in this movie doesn't fly for kids.
1: Okay. Alright.
0: The witches reappeared and tell Taryn that since the cauldron is of no use to him, they're going to take it back. Fluter tells him that he won't let them take anything. They have to bargain for it. The love-struck witch says she... Oh, sorry, let me finish here. Says she loves forceful men. The witch offers to return the magic sword to Terran, but he says he isn't a warrior. He doesn't want the sword. He'll trade the cauldron for Gurgi. They agree to the bargain, and a living Gurgi is returned.
1: Can I now, go what now? what you say? Uh, all right. So, in my mind... I feel like I've said that a lot this episode, in my mind. Uh, When they make the bargain, first of all, might have been some of the best writing in the movie because they essentially turn around what the witches were saying previously. uh, Like, they use it against them, right? Like, they they only ever bargain, right? So Uh it's kind of like using their mantra against them. But maybe it's a sign of how dark I might have thought this movie was. But I didn't think they gave them back alive, Gurgi. <laughs> yeah. When they first bring him back and he's laying still and lifeless and Taryn even picks him up and is thinking like, "Hello," right? Yeah. Is it dark enough that they took it literally and were like, "Well, you said you want Gurgi back, but you didn't say you wanted him resuscitated." So, here's his corpse. If they did
0: that, uh, this would be up there in one of my favorite movies of all time. I, it's the
1: ultimate fuck you to the hero. But, like, what does it tell you about the movie that I literally thought that that was a possibility?
0: <laughs> they it's were, just they they were... it's so dark, man. Like, I nothing really surprises me in this anymore. Right. When it comes to, like, how depressing it can be. Because there's a lot of dark shit that goes down.
1: It feels like such a dark thing to actually anticipate the movie doing
0: anticipation, you say. Anyway, anyway, that's all. I, oh, I've got one one last note before mm-hmm. the credits roll here. All right. Taryn invites Gergi to go home with them, and the annoying little thing is ecstatic. The heroes walk off together in delight, as it's shown to Dalbin and Dolly that Henwin knew. This was the outcome all along. So the pig just fucking knew the whole time, and just went home. It just went home. It knew it was going to be thrown off of a castle tower. It knew it was going to be ripped off the ground and and hoisted in the air by monsters. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. (laughs)
1: you're lost for words that's fantastic i don't know man so this is another part where my questioning of whatever her name is uh being a princess because in my mind whatever stop trying to pronounce who cares yeah in my mind if she was i gotta stop saying that It appears to me as though if she was a princess, her first reaction would not be, let's go back to Terran's shitty farm with him. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, you escaped captivity from the castle, which I think they mentioned that the reason she was kidnapped is they thought that the magic bauble would be able to reveal the location of the cauldron. And that failed, and that's why they were trying with Henwen. I figured it out. The okay. magic bauble was
0: actually her sanity. And when when we stopped seeing it floating around her,
1: that's when she truly went crazy. What? Okay, but... She, if, she believes she's the princess for sure now. But she escapes captivity, which she seemed like she would be able to do just fine on her own. Yeah. I get if she's actually a princess not returning back to her kingdom or whatever right away, because she feels obligated to see it through and help him get the pig back and, you know, finish the journey. But now that the the Horned King has been defeated, there is no, like, social obligation or, you know, you you saved me from captivity, I owe you, whatever. It's all done. Go home now. Yeah. But it, it, yes. in. it really does feel like the horned king being that he has a lot like a lot of knowledge that we don't actually get an explanation to how or why he has it is essentially calling her out when he says that instead of saying that she's a princess yeah right
0: so no you you raise a very very interesting and potentially valid point in that
1: she is not what is presented to us. It's very possible uh, that it might be the, the, you might need to hit the books to find out where that goes. Yeah. And I intend
0: on it because there is a good story in here somewhere. It just didn't make it to the screen.
1: All right. So credits roll. Yeah. All right. Should we get into um, some money talk? Do we, do we have money talk? Is it too old for that or? uh no, we've got money talk. All right. Let's talk money.
0: All right. Keep in mind the production of this movie started installed over several years. Okie dokie. Um they had multiple recuts, so people came in, uh, cut out uh any animations that had already been previously done, even some like sound for it, uh, did new animations or just cutscenes altogether. And there's that's why there's awkward jump cuts in the movie. Uh so the the production ballooned up to a forty-four million dollar budget, of which it made twenty-one point three million. Ooh, it was a big flop for Disney.
1: Over a twenty-minute lo- or 20-minute. 20 twenty-minute twenty million loss in yeah, nineteen eighty-five 20... money. Yeah, twenty-two point
0: seven million. Oh, and that's just the budget of the film. Oh. That's not. With marketing, and you know how crazy
1: Disney goes with their marketing. I mean, did Disney market it as much as they would a normal movie? Because I didn't look into it, but I kind of caught through the grapevine that this was somehow a movie that Disney was trying to kind of separate themselves from. It's because it flopped that hard. So it's not because Um, of its uh, more adult... um, like, it's lack of feeling like a Disney-appropriate movie. It's because it was a failure?
0: Well, it, it kind of turned audiences off when this was the first animated Disney film that was rated PG. Because of how dark it was. And I think that's why they went in and recut it. Because it would have been... I mean, PD-13 didn't exist at that point. It just went from, like, PG to R. Um but yeah, I think there's a lot of parents being like, what do you mean PG? Like why, why all of a sudden is a Disney film parental guidance. Hmm. Um, they had also built, uh, a, uh, a ride, part of a ride in France at Disney, um, for the film, before the film was released and didn't, they didn't know it was going to be that much of a disaster. So there was a, a black cauldron ride for a while. Um, also, there's a bunch of, uh, of, uh, paper media, like, um, uh, storybooks, comic books and whatnot that actually have the cutscenes in them that actually progress the story in a more, uh, fluid way. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right down to things like the, um, tra- them trying to destroy the cauldron. Like those are in the comic books and the storybooks, the audio books for kids, but not in the movie. Um, And it's also up until very recently, it was the only Disney cartoon or animated film that didn't get a re-release when they were doing that whole booming, like release from the vault thing up until just a couple of years ago, it had only been released. And I think on home video in 98. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Uh, they, and they tried, they tried to fucking re-release it under uh, a more kid friendly title. Um, which was uh, the literal translation of the German title of the movie, which is Terran and the Magic Cauldron. And people still just didn't want it. Hmm. Yeah, it's almost
1: cursed, man, this movie. Wow. All right. Well, that being said, what about uh, reviews?
0: Uh, IMDb, it's sitting at a 6.4 out of 10. Okay rotten tomatoes um uh, it's kind of what you expect really the tomato meter it's sitting at 55% okay and the audience score at 48
1: okay so kind of hovering around that 50 mark uh average yeah. uh, for it i yeah. can see that i can see that it's like like we already said visually it's it's awesome well, and you have to take into account that when reviewers are looking at this type of stuff, they're going to weigh visuals into it. So that very well could be the saving grace in the review scores. Yeah, Roger Ebert was one of the biggest proponents of this movie. He loved it. He thought it was amazing.
0: Huh.
1: Okay. Um, I mean, I just pulled up the IMDB, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the caption for the top review is... Not half bad, not half good either. (laughs)
0: Uh, Accurate.
1: So it it really does feel like a very middle of the road uh, reception to it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's money and numbers. Should we get into awards? I guess this is a weird one, man. Well, I mean, I feel like I know what your picks are going to be for some of these things. I I definitely know what your pick for the first award is going to be, which you start off, worst performance. Yeah, you're wrong. Okay.
0: It's uh, Phil Fondacaro
1: as Creeper. Really? Mm-hmm. All right, you have to explain this to me.
0: I felt that the animated part of the character was much more entertaining than the uh the vocal work of uh Fonda Caro. I found that really I think anybody could have played that character just as well. There's nothing really memorable about the voice. It doesn't feel like they put their like their own spin to it. I mean, obviously I've never heard anybody else do it, but it just sounded kind of generic to me.
1: Wow. I that
0: your... That's probably your best performance,
1: isn't it? <laughs> no, no, it isn't. Okay. Um Sorry. I'm just I'm just a little thrown off because I would have put money on your pick for worst performance being Gergi. Um, I have a reason for that that I will tell you later. Okay. It d- d- Tell me later in one of the other awards?
0: Uh, no, no. Oh. I'll mention it right now. Um, it was going to be John Biner as Gergi, uh, but I feel like, yes, I didn't like the character and that was his interpretation for that character.
1: But I really love the character of Dolly, and he did that voice too. Yeah, I did see that, because obviously yeah. I had to look up the cast for the awards. And, I mean, we've we've done picks before where we've divided uh, roles that characters have played multiple yeah. in movies. So we've previously... I think you even did one where you had a best role and worst being the same person. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, and but I, I do have to say too, that I have a very
0: uh, warm soft spot in my heart for John Biner. Uh, even though I fucking hate Gertie and I want it to die forever. I wish it never came to after the witches gave it back. Um, he did the voices for the two main characters in one of my favorite cartoon series of all time, the Ant and the Yardvark.
1: Uh, I've never even heard of that.
0: It's uh, some of the same animators, that, the studio that did the Pink Panther movies or uh, the shorts, cartoon shorts, way back in the day. Oh, I loved Pink Panther. Yeah, you can find a lot of the Ant and the Yardvark on YouTube. I, I highly recommend checking it out. It's it's. 60s sight gags but they're really fun and it's classic nostalgic animation i love it i love it
1: so much okay well then don't be mad at me because my pick for worst performance is john Byner as Gurgi. get out i mean if there's a character in a movie who every time they speak feels like nails on a chalkboard to me they're gonna get worse performance even if they do have and i even thought to myself when i saw that he also played the other character, Dolly, and that yeah. was done quite well. I it even was. thought to myself, like, do I give him a saving grace for that? And then I thought back to how we've we've split roles previously from the same actor. Mm-hmm. So I went with gurgi And... Uh, t- I, I can't blame you for that. I'm going to be uh, honest. It's not my pick for best performance, which is my award, which I start next. But... I was close. I'm not going to say very close, but I was close to picking John Biner as Dolly for the best performance. And it would have been... Very cool character, but
0: almost no screen time.
1: Yes. And it would have been very similar to when you did it. Unfortunately, for the voice alone, even though it was limited screen time, I had to go with John Hurt as the Horned King. Because that was just perfect, in my opinion. Yeah, that was my pick, too. Yeah. It, I, there,
0: there, it couldn't be any anybody else.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the obvious choice in this movie of a voice casting, a voice role, that was exactly what it should have been for that character. And I, I can't say for sure,
0: because I know actors are well, they're fucking actors, they're not gonna show the true colors when they're performing. But it seems like he really got into this character. Like he loved performing as the Horned King. Yeah, and, okay.
1: So hands down, uh consensus pick then. Oh yeah, totally. Alright. Uh so you start off the next award, we have uh favorite or most memorable line.
0: Yep. Uh for me it is my favorite line and most memorable. And again, we're going back to The Horned King because I find that this line drives home his intent for the entire film. Okay. And it is, Oh, my soldiers, how long I have thirsted to be a god among mortal men. That's a good line. It's a great fucking line. I know it's not your favorite line, but I mean, that sums up his character 100%.
1: That's all he wants. Well, I will say... My most my pick for this award is leaning to the most memorable, not oh, the please. favorite part of it.
0: Please just let it be headwind squealing. No. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I was about <laughs> to give best performance to the goat, though. <laughs> um, so, again, uh, it seems to be the way I go, but uh, I'm leaning towards the ridiculous because I heard this line and I thought, how is this in a Disney movie? And you know, then I thought of the rest of the movie and was like, well, that's how. But it's when Orwin is hitting on uh um, who? Uh Orwin is the thirsty witch that is interested in Oh, okay. In um Fluter. I had to I had like I had to look it up because, <laughs> because the names are so ridiculous. But she like crawls. Oh, she's got a few bangers man like those some of her lines are hilarious she crawls on top of him as he's leaning back on a table reaches to the side where he has his harp and says you don't mind if i pluck your harp and i'm like oh it's it's almost cringy it's kind of funny but there's no way that line isn't the one that stands out in my mind for this movie for time to come. It just, it just, it, I don't know. It's going to be in my memory for that. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Weird, but fine. Again, I, I, I don't know why, but in general, when we're picking these awards, I seem to sway to the really ridiculous ones. Cause I feel Especially like. Especially for a memorable line. Yeah. Cause I feel like they stand out more to me. Like, yes, I've picked a few powerful um, inspirational, uh, you know, like powerful, like, I don't know, like good lines in the past. But the majority of the time, it seems like I lean to the ridiculous. And maybe that's just the way my brain works. I remember that more frequently. Um, so for me, I guess I'm doing my favorite moment slash scene. And I leaned almost entirely on visuals for this and it mm-hmm. is the chase scene with Henwen when the um I know they say what they're called but I can't remember the flying creatures are trying to oh, capture yeah. her yeah. and they have the shots of right like the foreground background the the um the chase is happening towards and away from the camera cuz they have a cut for both directions rather mm-hmm. than like a lot of the like side to side that we see in the movie and just from a visual standpoint it's early in the movie, so maybe that's why it stands out so much, because there was absolutely some gorgeous visuals later on. But that was the first moment in the movie where I was, like, hit with a real kind of awestruck feeling of how good the animation in this movie was. Yeah, the animation is
0: stellar. Uh, and that's, that's what led me to choose my most memorable scene, and that's
1: the rise of the Cauldron Bourne. Uh-huh. Honestly, that was the other one that I was debating between. Yeah. Um, and I even kind of alluded to it when we were going through the plot. Yeah, That shot, when it's kind of zoomed out and you see them marching across the bridge, and even later when they're also kind of crumbling and some are falling off of the bridge and some are collapsing in front of them on the ground, it looks so visually stunning. Dude, there is one scene, and I can't remember if it was in the movie...
0: I went back trying to find it and I couldn't. So it must have been in like one of the the documentaries that I watched on it, um, where a guard is attacked by the Cauldron Born, uh, ends up breaking out in like sores and boils and then just falls apart and then slowly rises as one of them and joins the march.
1: That was not in the movie I watched. Man,
0: what a great idea, though. Like, it's so cool. I mean, I, I, you know me, I love zombies, I love fantasy and medieval films. So like, mixing that together, I just like, how could that not be my most memorable scene? And the fact that it was executed so well, like this, that for that one shot alone, I would say I would
1: recommend people check this out. It's but that so shot is not in the movie. No, I mean them on the bridge. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you were still talking about the, the downed guard part uh, specifically I can I can see why you would think that, but no, I just mean the rise of the cauldron born itself. Okay, yeah. That was, um, I think I said it last week too, I might even almost say 1A, 1B with those scenes because mm-hmm. yeah. they're phenomenal from a visual standpoint. And, Honestly, the the animation in this movie is easily a high point. If you are a fan of just like like artistic style in a feature, you got to check it out for some of these scenes. Um, I guess that's a pretty decent segue into your final thoughts on the movie. Um visually stunning. That's pretty much it.
0: Um I, I didn't remember watching it until I got to see Gurgi on screen. And then I realized I must have, like, blocked it out of my mind. Um, the story is bland. The characters are bland. The Horn King looks good. The, the animation is fantastic. Um, based on that, it's only 80 minutes. I still don't think I could really recommend it. If it were, like, a 45-minute short, short, like a 40-minute short, I think I could get behind it a little bit more. But even at a really short eighty-minute running time for a movie, it's just too long. And nothing happens, and the stuff that does happen is pointless. So, uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't recommend this movie except for anybody who's willing to see some pretty adventurous technique in uh, visual effects.
1: So I guess this is where the review score gets its middle of the ground because I recommend this movie. What I had fun Why? with it. I had fun watching it. It's not fun. It's it's not it's not a good movie, but it was a fun watch. It was the first
0: time. Oh I, oh, I I know why. Why? You fucking watched this with friends. I did. That's exactly what. Wait, no, never
1: mind. So did I. No, this movie isn't fun. I watched it with Alex and Josh from my other podcast, Pixel Opinions. And we were having a blast, and it was because the movie gave us enough material to rip apart. It's one of those where it's so bad that there's plenty of laughs to be had. And to be honest, there was a few natural laughs that I had anyway that I pointed out when we were going through the plot. It is by no means a good movie, but if it's a movie that you can watch quickly because it is 80 minutes and to me it kind of flew by yeah and just kind of have a few laughs or like you alluded to and i did as well simply for the animation watch it it's a it's it's a decent time
0: all right i i don't know man i just find it hard to think like if i had a few friends together we're having a couple of beers i'm pretty sure i'm not going to be like hey guys we should watch the black cauldron I'm not saying
1: that this should be something that you, like, seek out to do, but if you get the opportunity to watch it with a couple of friends, you could spend 80 minutes worse ways. I would not recommend this to anybody based on the fact that I
0: really don't think I know anybody who would enjoy it. Well, then maybe you're hanging out with the wrong
1: people. Uh, Well, yeah. Mm. I mean, you're friends with me, so... Clearly, you're making bad choices in life. You're
0: not the first. You won't be the last.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, hey, that was our thoughts on the movie. Uh, We would love it if you guys would share your thoughts. You can hit us up on social media. We're on Twitter at BSBargainBin. We are on Facebook. There's a nice comment section in the YouTube uh, videos that you can let us know what you thought, what your awards were. However, before we sign off, we always have to ask Ben this question, except for the times we don't. What movie (laughs) are we watching next week? Well, how can I
0: phrase this? Let's see. Uh, Jim Whaley from uh, WPBA TV in Atlanta calls this movie the Star Wars of the 80s. Ben Mason in Halifax, Nova Scotia calls that Return of the Jedi. But apparently, Jim Whaley's talking about 1987's Masters of the Universe.
1: At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. And there is only one man who dares challenge him. They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. Stop him! A battle that will finally be fought. I want the down and brought to me! Across the face. Police! Nobody move! Of Earth.
0: I think I'm gonna need some backup. Can you show us the way? Of course. No!
1: In galaxy, they have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man. Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe. Live the adventure. Until next week, have a good one, guys.
0: All the best, guys.